It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners here at Corhorn Financial Group. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. We all understand the, the concept of saving and investing for retirement, but what about investing in retirement? Should your strategy, should your approach change as you get into retirement? We're going to cover that and more on this episode of Wise Money. All right. If you have any questions, we're going to hit questions from fans of the show. Thank you, Auto Owners, for sponsoring the question and answer segment. If you have any questions, reach out to us. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. There's a spot right there on the right where you can submit questions. And then all over social media, we're there. Just search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there and submit questions there as well. I tell you, this 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 issue of you know the the analogy is everyone understands how to save and accumulate, kind of walk up the mountain of retirement, building up and accumulating assets. But it's very very tricky, and most people do not know. They most people overlook or oversimplify the trek down the mountain. All right, and so how do you invest when you're when you're in retirement or approaching retirement, that's what we're going to help you with today. But it gets even deeper because we're in a COVID world and we have we have folks where emotion is is kind of leading them to take wild speculation and in investments. I mean, risks that we haven't seen people take in a long time and maybe ever. And you say, well, Mike, that's an opinion. No, there's a record amount of margin debt. There's a record amount of people borrowing money to invest in stocks. Okay, well, then maybe maybe that is true. People are being more speculative these days. But then you've got another group of people that's completely polar opposite. And they're saying, gosh, there's so much risk. I'm, I don't want anything in the market. So how do you navigate investing for retirement in uh in with with all these dynamics we're going to help you with that right now but first this is sort of like we want to help avoid investing mistakes in retirement guys what are some of the most common not to focus on mistakes and the negative but what are some of the most common investing mistakes you see you've seen people make as they approach retirement or in retirement well i think with investing that the challenge is especially right now because you you talk about the coronavirus. I'm like, well, coronavirus, yes. I mean, you know, we it wasn't too long ago where we celebrated uh, the one-year anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread. And, you know, <laughs> there are some interesting things that are happening with uh, the coronavirus. But I think if you look at the economy and you say, well, here's – interest rates are going up. And what does that do to bond prices? It makes them go down. So everyone says, well, I need to – I need to take less risk and you know pile into bonds, but by by taking less risk, if I'm piling into an asset class that isn't going to give me the returns that I'm hoping for or expecting, 
then so this is a this is a very interesting time and this is where i would say don't um don't go it alone i would encourage you to have someone as your sherpa someone as your guide who's gone up the retirement mountain and climbed down it a number of different times and can tell you how to avoid sitting too long in one spot like they did on Mount Everest. Mm Because if you sit on too too long in one spot, you kind of freeze into the mountain. And then you're done. Yeah, that's bad news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and maybe we can be even more specific than that because I, I agree with you completely. Not having that guide to walk you through... Uh, a life transition that you're only going to do one time. And it's, it's something that you, you've never done it before. You'll never do it again. And you really can't be fully prepared for it either, just intuitively. Uh, and that is retirement. But it's not just someone who can help you guide your investments. Because there's lots of people who would hold themselves out as, hey, I'm, I'm an investment guru. This is what I do for a living. And so I can help you craft the right portfolio and we'll get you through retirement. It'll be great. And, and that may be true. But if, it, if those ideas are being generated and that game plan is being created outside of the context of an overall financial plan, it might be good, but I don't know how it could be great. And t- to me, a great plan is one that is forecasting what are your needs going to be into retirement, because that could have an influence on the right investments. It also is going to take into consideration your tax picture and how it may change over time. That should have an impact on, on the investment decisions that you make. And um, so, so there's just more to the picture than just an investment decision. And so right out of the gate, it, it feels like the number one mistake that many people make as they enter into retirement is thinking that they're just trying to answer an investment decision when it's really a financial planning decision. 100%. 100%. And, and that manif- manifests itself in mistakes mean paying too much in taxes um, or uh, you know, not managing um, their their pension decision, making a, a, a poor pension decision, cashing in investment. You know, one of the, to me, reverse dollar cost averaging is one of uh, the biggest dangers of getting back down the mountain. That is how you want to climb the mountain. Getting back down the mountain, doing the exact opposite, I, I, is a huge fail. So, Josh, you're you're totally right. We should probably define that. Yeah, too, that, in the spirit of being a jargon free zone, uh, reverse dollar cost averaging. Um, it's not jargon. It's, re- it, it's self-explanatory. <laughs> it's not. It's self-explanatory. Like, of course, reverse dollar cost. No, dollar cost averaging is one of the best ways to accumulate wealth because you're buying fewer shares when the price is up and you're buying more shares when the price is down. So over time, it's a great way to enter into the market and to get invested. It's not always a great way to reverse that. Yeah. Because if you are selling when the prices are low, um, it will hurt your feelings. Quite yeah, the, the concept here, you know, you may be doing this uh, and never never had a label for it before, but when you contribute every pay period out of your paycheck into the 401k, a steady drip of new money is going into your investments. And those, those uh, contributions are happening whether the market happens to be up that day or down that day. But you're trickling it in over time in a volatile market, and it actually is a great way to enter in with new investments. The, the, the problem, though, is when you reverse, you're blindly just selling at 
these incremental moments, maybe on a monthly basis, you're just pulling some money out of your accounts. Well, that might be fantastic timing because the market or your investments happen to be up on on that particular month, or it could be really bad timing. And so what works for you in the accumulation stage actually can work against you uh, if you try to do this when you get into retirement. Think think about it this way. To get your $2,000 out of your IRA, you had to sell a lot more shares in March of 2020 and a lot more shares in April of 2020 than you had to do in December. And you're, and and that's a bad that's a bad thing because you sold a lot more shares at their lowest price point of the year, right? That that's bad news. Um, I tell you, and and we're gonna have to extend this conversation, but the to me, going back to March and and April of last year, and thinking about what happened in 08, to me that leads to uh, other than having a cohesive financial plan guiding the decisions that you're making, that it's bigger than just investments. There's, to me, there's one other enormous risk that I've seen people make in or early on in retirement, excuse me, right before or early on in retirement. And that is they see a big drop and they stop taking risk because they say, I'm getting into retirement or I'm just about to retire or I am retired. I can no longer take this level of risk. I'm out. I'm done at 63 or at 68, or early on where they see that risk and they say, I'm done. There's a way, there's a better way. I'm not saying uh, that's foolish, but there's a better approach. We're gonna help you with that more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Should you be taking a lot of risk in your investments in retirement, or is that the stage of your of your life where you say, "I can't, I can't afford to take this risk. I can't afford these drops anymore, and I need to have a different approach." Interesting. We're helping you with it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. Follow us there. Just search the Wise Money Show and uh, follow us. Leave comments, leave questions there as well. We appreciate that. So, all right. So here's, here's the story problem. You've been accumulating dollars. You've been saving up your entire career for retirement. And now you're just about there or you just entered and the stock market has a major correction. 20%. And you might be thinking, I know, Mike, that happens. And then the Fed prints money and it'll come back next week. Um, that's not how it always works. That's kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> but but no, you see a big correction and you're early on in retirement. You're just about to retire and you think, can't do it. I can't afford to retire if my portfolio can drop like this. I'm done. And I'm moving to low risk or no risk. To me, that's that's the second biggest mistake that I've seen. And I'm not saying that's a mistake because you were wrong to feel that way. I'm saying that it's a mistake because you didn't have a cohesive investing plan to get you through retirement. Mm -hmm. Because the dollars that you need in the short term before that 20% downturn bounces back and recovers, that money shouldn't have been invested. Right. That money shouldn't have been. But the money that you're going to need 20 years from now that money, you got to let that money rebound. Yeah. You know, part of the antidote to 
to this feeling of, oh my goodness, I, I just lived through this terrible market correction or a bear market, some sort of major decline, and I, I can't endure that again. I, I feel like it will wreck my retirement. Um, one of our roles as financial advisors is to help to normalize this a little bit, to, to remind clients that these bear markets or these market fluctuations they are a normal thing. It's going to happen many times during your retirement, and we need to have a game plan that gets you through retirement and surviving all those along the way. And part of it is how you position your investments, how much cash you hold on hand leading into some of those, those market storms, but then mostly it's how do, you, how do you manage your own emotions and your own behavior when they occur, because they're going to occur. Sometimes they'll feel severe, but they're temporary. Mm. And, and that's the key. How, how do you make sure that the temporary events don't knock you off course? And the, the big mistake that many people make is that those temporary events, they become a permanent response because they jump out of the market. They don't give themselves the shot to have growth in the future because they're they're afraid of the potential short-term losses. And the growth, and it, the growth is not for some greed's sake, okay? The growth is to tackle or help tackle the two greatest risks to your retirement. And that is longevity, so living a long time, and inflation. You know, living a long time, inflation will become a bigger and bigger and bigger problem. The third major risk is market volatility. So yeah, I, I know you can you can deal with market volatility and completely expose yourself to those first two risks, okay? And that's easy to do because Many people don't believe they're going to live a long, long time right. in retirement. So that one doesn't feel as dangerous. And inflation, you know, by, its, by definition, it's kind of this silent erosion of your spending power over time. You don't feel it in the short term, typically. And so you could kind of convince yourself that, oh, that one's not a, a big deal. The one that is loud and in your face and scary is the market volatility. And, and that's part of the reason why you know, who you have walking beside you in retirement, whether that's your spouse or uh, spouse and a financial advisor, to kind of talk you down off the ledge, so to speak, to calm some of the emotions, to give you an outside perspective, a longer term perspective, um, that, that matters. And um, hopefully they can help you avoid some of these mistakes that Mike's referring to. Mike, you said longevity, inflation, Market volatility were the top three okay. risks in, in retirement. Are you making a lot? I'm, I'm, there are many, no, I was many just, more. Uh, you were right. I mean, to me, the, the taxes yeah. are, are, would, would be one of the risks. But again, I think one of the biggest risks is that by trying to avoid risk in my portfolio, I'm, I decrease the risk in my portfolio and I increase the risk in other parts yeah, because I always talk about the, your kind of your mortal enemies in in retirement being taxes and inflation. People wouldn't think longevity is a mortal enemy. That's kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> so, um, but but really, living outliving your money, if that's a risk, if I reduce the risk in my portfolio, I increase the chance that I outlive my money. That's exactly right. That's, that's exactly. Right. So okay. So how how do you how do you tackle this? What do you do? Uh, so, should you increase? Should you change your investment risk 
in or nearing retirement? And if so, how do you do it in a wise way? I feel like I've been sharing this analogy with so many clients lately. Forgive me if I've shared it on the show recently, but um, it may have even originated with Kevin. I don't know. I, it's It goes all the way back to the beginning of my career. Someone explained that when you invest in the stock market or mutual funds that invest in the stock market, um, it, it's kind of like playing with a yo-yo. It's, it's a man or a woman playing with a yo-yo. It goes up, it goes down, sometimes in erratic behavior, sometimes predictable, sometimes not. But it's not just the yo-yo going up and down that everybody worries about. You also have to pay attention to the fact that this is someone who's using or playing with a yo-yo while walking up a ramp. Mm-hmm. Over long periods of time, you could watch, um, how, how's the yo-yo doing? Or, or you might be fearful that your investments are going to go down in value. I, I can't handle that. I, I shouldn't be exposed to that. I need to protect against it. And everyone's just focusing on the short-term ups and downs of the yo-yo when really what you need to do is zoom out and recognize the yo-yo keeps going higher if you keep it on the ramp. And this is um, part of the role of your financial advisor is to give you an investment game plan that you can keep intact. You can let it keep moving higher over time regardless of the short-term ups and downs. And you may need to have some honest conversations with with your financial advisor asking yourself, you know, how, how much of this can I stomach uh, during retirement? Am I losing sleep at night? Am I um, focusing on my investments instead of enjoying the, the time that I have, the freedom I have? If that's happening, then it's possible that you don't have the right mix or your perspective needs to change from the up and down yo-yo to it's traveling along the ramp in that analogy. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and the, the effects of inflation, I believe, are going to become more and more and more pronounced. But said a different way, the dollars that I have right now are probably as, as, as valuable and concentrated as they'll be. And over time, the, the current dollars are going to be worth less and less. As inflation takes hold. Well, if that's the case and I've got my money in the bank or in a savings account or fill in the blank, I am buying a smaller basket of goods and services at the end of the year with the same dollars than I could have bought at the beginning of the year with those dollars. So that's where it's likely unless I have a huge um, amount of money. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm reminded of a card I got when I graduated high school, and they said, "If you here's how you can make a million dollars a year. And I opened it up, and it said, get a job paying $12 million a year and quit after the first month. <laughs> so the best way... The best way to do this this whole retirement thing is to is to in, in you know plan a, a large inheritance for yourself. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, is, we're we're going to help you. There's there's uh, but then you'd have to invest that inheritance, right? So no, we're no, gonna, no, I put it all in the bank. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, we're going to help you then with that investment strategy in retirement. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What's the right investment strategy to have as you're entering retirement, as you're early in retirement, especially when the risks are high? Markets 
going up and down. You want to capture those gains. You want to protect the losses, especially at that time. We're going to help you with this strategy right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go check it out. I'm told now when you go to Apple, you got to follow us there. Follow us there. You can, you know, check us out. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Follow us there. But rate the show. Okay. That hasn't changed. Rate the show. Leave comments. We appreciate that. Okay. So um, imagine, imagine retiring in January, no, December of 2019. And then you see the carnage three months later and say, I'm done. I can't do this. And you you change your, your permanent, you make a permanent change in your investment philosophy because of a temporary, and now you said that, Josh, last time, a temporary pullback in the markets. And I just want to remind everyone, this last one was way more temporary than they yeah. normally are. Yeah. That was the fastest rebound ever okay so the fastest decline yeah and the fastest rebound okay so uh quick quick on both sides how what's the right strategy around that here's an idea i mean the strategy i just need to tell you at the beginning and at the end it's found within analyzing all six areas of your financial life because you've got to look at what your cash flow needs are your income sources your tax situation your estate situation all your entire financial life, right? So you've got to work with your specific certified financial planner. We don't say the word strategy a lot here on the Wise Money Show because that strategy that's best for you comes when you're sitting working with your personal financial planner. Everyone's financial situation is different. But the strategy then within that is figure out how much money you need that you likely will be withdrawing in the near term, in the short term, couple years. That money should be low risk. Figure out how much money you're going to need in the few years after that. That money should be medium risk or trying to generate income for you. And then the rest of the money, you're probably not going to touch for 10 years. That's the money that hopefully you can still sleep safe at night, excuse me, soundly at night, knowing that that's the money that's taking risk. Now, if you're comfortable investing, that money should be more aggressive, okay? If you're not comfortable investing, that money should still be moderately aggressive because that's the money that you're using to fight those two of those three major risks, the longevity risk and inflation risk. Stock market can beat those two risks better than any other financial tool out there. It just has. And if you want to argue about the future, that's fine. We, no one knows it. The past, we have record of the past, the stock market wins and beats those, Okay. But the way to manage that third risk, that market volatility, is to identify how much money you need in the short term and intermediate term and have that at lower risk levels. Yeah, and the, the good news about um, those short-term needs that you're referring to, sometimes there's also short-term wants that you have some discretion over the timing of them. And if if you happen to retire straight into some sort of market storm, you know, like a 2020 um, spring that, that we encountered. Um, there are some, some uh, expenditures that are just required. You got to put food on the table. You're going to still put gas in your car. You're still going to pay for your health insurance and, and things like that, prescriptions. But then there's other things that maybe that big trip gets postponed temporarily, or maybe this isn't the year that you 
put a new kitchen in or, or replace the flooring or, or something like that. Um, so, so the idea of recognizing where do you have discretion, where can, can you um, be flexible on the timing of some of these big purchases or big experiences, that just allows you to stretch the cash that you have on hand, and it buys you time to let the longer-term investments rebound before you start selling out of those. Yeah. So this, this is just one of the strategies for how you manage your cash flow to buy time for your investments along the way. So here's, here's where I would go back to this is why it's such a big uh, financial planning decision and, and why we would say time and again, you need a comprehensive financial planning approach, not just an investment strategy or investment guru to help you with this. Okay. So you're looking at your overall financial situation and in retirement, you've done your five factor retirement plan. You're looking and saying, well, on average, you know, we probably need eight grand a month to live the life we want in retirement. And if we draw social security in this ideal opti- you know, optimal way, it'll be 3,500 a month. So we need another, you know, chunk of change here. And where are you going to get those dollars from? If you look at that amount that you then need to draw out of your investments each month, just take that number, multiply it by 36. That gives you 36 months and put that in low risk, okay? And then take that same number and extrapolate it out for a few more years. Put that money at medium risk. We used to say, go out and find some income investments that can generate income and pour it back into bucket number one so that you actually have more than three years worth of money there. Problem is you just can't find any investments these days that pay interest, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got your your certified financial planner will help you get more creative there. And then that long-term money then, so that covers your first seven to 10 years right there. And then you know the rest of your money is long-term and the ups and downs, you're not going to need to touch that money for a long time. That doesn't mean, though, you just throw that long-term money on red and, and hope you know, you're lucky. No, that's where you do your diversified mix that's consistent with your risk tolerance, probably majority stocks. But you also complement that with a dynamic strategy, a dynamic strategy strategy that can help manage the momentum swings in the market and help you capture that momentum upside and then shift to safety when all the momentum's going down, mm-hmm. right? So that's how you would apply that. The exact numbers, you know, I started trying to give that analogy. It just doesn't work over the radio. Those exact numbers, you've got to fill that in with your certified financial planner. Sometimes you might want to look at creating a pension for yourself, or maybe you have other income that you can, um, you know, that you can piece together. So work with your certified financial planner. But the big idea is for most people, you can't just switch it to no risk especially with interest rates being so low right now. That's exactly right. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago. You you were kind of um, prescribing that someone ought to have around three years worth of, you didn't say cash, but safe safe money for your next three years worth of spending, right? Was that the right number? Yeah, two to three years. Two to three years is, is what I would say to you. But what that does is it gives you a window of time where you need to be watchful with your financial advisor on when do you go replenish that bucket? Because every month that goes by, you might be drawing off of that account straight into your bank account so that you can spend these dollars almost like a paycheck. 
but it's being depleted as we get deeper into that two or three year period of time. And so every so often you need to be able to replenish that. And that's something that you don't want to just be blindly selling along the way. We, we talked about reverse dollar cost averaging earlier in, in the show, um, you know, just systematically pulling money out. No, you need to be much more uh, opportunistic about the way that you go harvest cash out of your longer term investments, selling things hopefully more at a high point and not being forced to sell at a low point down the road. That's right. I mean, right now you could look at just about any measure and it's telling us that, well, valuations in stock market are high. Now, you also look at a lot of short-term indicators say, nah, the market, I don't know, should hopefully be okay in the short term. But now is a time where you could say, yeah, I mean, it might go higher, but we've had some very impressive gains. We need to replenish some of these other buckets. Let's go ahead and do so. So you, you've got time. You've, got, you've, you've earned yourself some time to be able to make those decisions. So, All right, we've got questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being here, folks. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, follow us there, subscribe to it there, leave questions, comments there as well. We appreciate that. Speaking of questions, it's time for my favorite part of the program. That's questions from fans of the show. We want to thank Auto Owners for sponsoring the content today. And uh, here we go. First question comes from the YouTube channel from a fan of the show, Ben. I feel like I'm paying too much for my car insurance. Is there anything I can do to reduce what I'm paying. Sell your car. Start walking. <laughs> Get a bike. How's that bike insurance going? Your Schwinn. <laughs> so it, it's tempting to feel like you're paying too much for your car insurance or your house insurance or your umbrella for all of that. Because insurance, in, the, in a perfect world, you write a check every year, a big check every year for something that you hope you never use. Right. Right. And you think, well, no, wait a minute. I want If I'm going to write a check, I'm going to use it. I'm going to sit in it. I'm going to drive it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to whatever. Look, no, 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 no. You want, you want great insurance, and you want to never use it. So there are some things that you can look at, Ben. And if Because people ask the question, is it negotiable? Can I negotiate what my rates are for my insurance? And you, you really can't. The... the the insurance rates for what you pay for your car and your home are set by the insurance company. And just think of a grid system. So we things go through the grid. And if you have this, you pay a certain rate. If you don't have that, you pay a different rate. But it's not – they don't look at you and say, hey – um, we we think we really like you, so here's a good price for you. But we don't like this person, so here's a bad price for them. Right. No, if you if you have an identical situation with someone else, you will pay the identical price. The interesting thing is there are so many different factors; it's almost impossible 
to figure that out. Now, Ben, I don't. We don't have your age. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're young because it's usually the younger folks that are saying, "How can I save money on my car insurance?" The reason why car insurance is so expensive for younger folks is because it's the young folks that get in all the accidents. So <laughs> you're is. <laughs> well. Is that is that not true? All I mean, the accidents. Not all the accidents, yeah. but, but could be but, taken out of context. But there's, but there's, but you're you're certainly in a higher risk category with a higher risk group of people. Right, and that's yeah. not you just spouting that out. I mean, that's statistically, and, and that's why those prices are higher, right? So one of the things that you can do to help make sure you pay the least amount possible is to have a great driving record. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the biggest thing that I would say is is in your control. And I think, guys, I did. I signed up for that little device doohickey that you could plug into your dashboard and it sort of monitors your driving habits. Now you don't even need the doohickey. You already got one. It's called an iPhone. And you just sign up for it and it monitors your driving. I think that's where we're going. I think that is the future and it's scary and all of that. But I think your driving rates are going to be based on how you actually drive. But until we get into the future... Let's just let's just be practical about yeah, watch your speed. Watch your, you know, the four-way stops. Be a guarded driver, right? And 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 manage your driving record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, essentially what the insurance companies are doing absent the doohickey as you called it in in your vehicle monitoring your specific driving behavior, all they can really do is kind of profile um, you know, other attributes about you that might give them clues as to how likely is it that this person's going to get in an accident yeah. that, that maybe causes harm to somebody else. One of the ways they do that for, for younger folks is by looking at just uh, their, their student record, so to speak. You know, are they a good student? Someone who's conscientious at school is presumed to be conscientious behind the wheel, too. And uh, you can get some discounts just by reporting to the the insurance company your um, your your grades essentially. Yeah, yeah and, and get yourself a good student discount. And um, Josh, the the way that you said doohickey, um, it made it sound really silly. Um, the good news about those, I made it sound cool. Is that what you said? <laughs> you did. I mean, Sorry, I gotta Mike's like, my okay, he got a doohickey put in his car, but you don't need that because you have an iPhone. Now, um, I I've heard that um, actually you get those uh, doohickeys uh, injected through the vaccine here, so you don't even need to go out. Uh, so I'm being silly. So the a great driving record, a great academic record, but a great financial record. Uh-huh. Yep. If you if you said what is going to have a meaningful impact on my car insurance or actually my car and home insurance it is your financial reputation yeah and that you you have a financial reputation score also called a credit score and um, that is generated out of a little uh, black box that you can't know really how a doohickey yeah <laughs> yeah you I mean you can't know how to do how, how exactly how precisely to move the levers and get your score to do what it should do because it's not intuitive. Some of the things you think, well, if I do this, it'll help my credit score, and I did this and my credit score went down, that's possible. So this is where you want to do some research, um, talk to your financial advisor, um, go online, uh, do some research on your own. I, I joked earlier about uh, you know just one way to reduce 
your car insurance premiums to stop driving, period. But they, they, and that's a joke. But you can, I mean, sometimes, actually every time, but sometimes it makes a big difference, sometimes it doesn't, um, the amount of miles you put on your vehicle, right? And so you could actually, and that's something that you should probably confirm with your agent. How much, when you quoted my policy, when you put my policy in place, how much? How many miles per year did you assume I'm driving on this vehicle? Basically, how 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 much time is it at risk mm-hmm. on the roads? And if you're only driving eight thousand miles a year, but they've got it rated where you're driving twenty thousand miles a year, you got to inform them that. And then the other question though is, could you drive fewer miles? What things could you do to actually, you know? get yourself below 10,000 miles or something like that, that can help your score. You know, it's it's an interesting idea because if you look at any of these fire people, uh, financial independence, retire early type folks, and I've, I've, I've read a few and watched a few. And I mean, a lot of them don't have a car. Yeah. I mean that it's like, well, how do I do it? I, I live in a very cheap apartment with a, a roommate or two and I walk six blocks to my job. And I mean, so there are a number of ways because if you ever, you know, Mike, you're talking about driving less, but I mean, have you ever looked at the, at the price of driving a car, the costs associated with driving a car? When you look at buying the car, maintaining the car, uh, putting gas in it, having insurance, all this stuff, it is expensive. Think about how much of your life you work just to drive a car. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, let me give you two more uh, things that have a major impact on how much you're going to pay for car insurance. One is just the car you select, right? Uh, obviously, a luxury car is going to need more. Uh, or they're going to take more premiums from you because the cost of an accident to the insurance company is is greater. Uh, bigger cars often have, you know, the, the big SUV or the big truck versus a smaller vehicle premiums are kind of proportionate. Um, so, so pay attention to that. I, I remember when I was getting my first car, m- my mom gave me the advice, before you select the exact vehicle, you may want to reach out to the insurance company and just find out what the premiums are. And I was shocked to see the wide range of, of price tags for insurance that, that vary with each vehicle. So which car you pick is one, but another financial planning concept that can have uh, an, an impact on your your overall premiums is just the deductible that you choose. The deductible is the first money out of your pocket in an accident that you have to pay before the insurance company puts any of their money on the line. And the, the more of that risk you keep on your own shoulder, the bigger the deductible that you, you keep, uh, the cheaper the the premiums go. So this is one of the rewards to having a strong financial base in place. Having a, a great emergency fund, um, you can afford to not, not roll the dice, but accept a little bit more of that risk on your own shoulders instead of paying for it uh, by buying more insurance. Yeah, here's what happens. If I have a low deductible, I'm in essence making a bet that I'm going to be that I'm going to need the insurance and therefore I'm going to be paying more for the insurance. Mm -hmm. If I have a high deductible, my bet is that I won't need it and therefore I'm going to pay less. And what you can do with the Delta there, take the savings and save it up and and, uh, make it your deductible fund. This is a jargon-free zone with Delta. 
Difference. Change. Got it. I know. I'm just messing with you. Uh, it's a, airline. It's a math term. The, so, I would make sure that you're getting all of the discounts that you can get. Um, yeah, you know, so so the, the the safe driver, the the good student, those are discounts. Now, we mentioned those by name specifically, but um, multi-vehicle, multi-policy, um, you know, there's other types of discounts that you can get versus we had a question a couple months ago from a fan of the show that said, you know, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. So should I have my home insurance with one company, my car insurance with someone else? And I, that's that's a reasonable question. It's just typically you're missing out on some pretty big discounts. And so make sure that that that's how you've approached it. So you're getting all the discounts possible. And and along with that, Mike, you want to shop. You want to and if you're working with an agent that they have one option to sell you, they can't shop for you. And it's you know it's it's an, kind of an eerie thought to I, I can, I'm working with someone that's only selling me one type of insurance or I'm not one type but one insurance company. And so I would I would go to uh, an independent agent who can show you a number of different companies because different insurance companies have different appetites and yeah. price their products accordingly. So if you're a youthful or younger driver, there are insurance companies out there that will look favorably upon you and have certain programs. So work closely with your agent and your CFP. What I miss, I I my pun radar is just always up with Kevin and. He said an, an you eerie it. thought. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't okay. know if it was on purpose yeah, or not. Yeah, I, I, I missed it. I missed it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> the, 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 bigger, the bigger point here is managing your overall insurance costs. Have There's a variety of factors. Working with your certified financial planner, they can help you with this. Making sure that, I mean, because this question, Ben, was focused on the price. Price is extremely important in the insurance decision. It's just not the most important. The most important is getting the right coverage. You've got to get the right coverage, then get it at the right price. Okay? So work with your CFP and independent insurance agent on that. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.